Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome to Breaking Down Bad Books, a podcast analysing trashy bestsellers from a literary perspective. And today we're looking at chapters 17, 18 and 19 of Insurgent. Where we left off, Triss was going to go up to the top of the Hancock building to do some reconnaissance. But before she could go, the dauntless traders, they storm the Candor building and they start shooting everyone up with some sort of simulation serum that doesn't work on divergent people in order to fish out divergent people. But Triss and Uriah both got away with pretending to be passed out. So it wasn't the best thought out plan. And so then Triss had a plan, oh God, to go around stepping on everyone's hands to try and wake them up if they are divergent. And then that wasn't working so well because someone stepped on her hand and she didn't make a sound. So she thought, I'm just going to start crushing rib cages, kicking people in the head. She's just an agent of chaos, just a whirling dervish, just kicking people in limbs, breaking bones. And then finally, Eric was like, I'm only going to spare two divergent people's lives. And Triss said, you know what? I'm going to stab you. So she stabbed him. And then four and some of the other Dauntless, they, they come to the rescue because they weren't shot up with the serum or something. I, I, where were they? Uh, hopefully we find out. Well, actually, that's quite the segue because chapter 17 starts with her saying, Tobias tells me this story. And then it's just Tobias recounting where the hell they were. So he says, when the erudite reached the lobby stairwell, one of them didn't go up to the second floor. Instead, she ran up to one of the highest levels of the building. There she evacuated a group of loyal Dauntless. So this erudite person just on their own back is rescuing the Dauntless. And she, she ran up some stairs before the, before the rest of the Dauntless could get up the top. And she told them all to use a fire escape, which was a fire escape that the Dauntless traders had not sealed off because I, I guess they didn't think about it. Why, why were they with the erudite? I didn't realize the Dauntless were coming in with a bunch of erudite as well. I thought that, oh God, this is silly. So then the loyal Dauntless, they escape down the fire escape and then they gather back in the lobby and then split into four groups to storm the stairwells. Oh, the stairwells. And then they surround the Dauntless traders who were all clustered around the elevator banks. And the Dauntless traders weren't prepared for this much resistance because they thought everyone would be unconscious. So I bet you're thinking, thrilling story, but twist, the erudite woman was Kara. And I bet you're thinking, okay, who cares who's Kara? But she tells us it's Will's older sister. <gasps> Remember Will who she killed? So then we're back with Triss 
and she is inspecting where she was shot with the thing that was meant to make everyone fall asleep, but uh, whatever. So she's inspecting her shoulder and it's a metal disc about the size of her pinky nail and it's pressed against the skin and surrounding it is a patch of blue strands like someone injected blue dye into the veins beneath her skin. So then she's trying to pull off this little metal patch and she's having struggles with it. So she's getting her knife blade under the disc and forcing it up. And that's super painful because yeah, it would be. So she finally pulls it up and attached to the bottom of the disc is a needle. And she's like, oh my God. So they were shooting little mini needles into people's arms or wherever the needles hit, I guess. And it went through clothes, I'm assuming. They just loaded up a gun full of needles. I don't know if that's a thing, but I guess the erudite hatched up a great plan to shoot needles through a gun. Uh, The science in this book, it, it never ceases to amaze me. But the needle seems pretty fucking big. She says, the needle comes free. It's as long as my littlest finger. Littlest finger, I just call it my pinky. But she says the littlest finger, which is weird because she'd already described it as being pinky fingernail sized. So she knows the term pinky, but now she's calling it her littlest finger. Seems like an odd time to deploy a thesaurus. If you've already called it your pinky, just call it your pinky. Anyway, the needle's the size of her pinky finger, which I think is quite big for a needle that's fully injected into you. And Tris is inspecting it and she says, judging by the blue dye in my arm and the fact that it's a needle, they must have injected us with something. Like, oh, thank you, Captain Obvious. And then she thinks, but what have they injected us with? Poison? An explosive? Clearly it's a simulation serum. Like, hello? She's thinking, well, if they wanted to kill us, then they probably could have just shot us all. Well, yeah, with regular bullets. So then Uriah walks in and apparently he's washed the blood from off of his face. And so now he looks handsome. She says, I'm struck suddenly by how handsome he is. All his features are proportionate. His eyes dark and lively, his skin bronze brown. You're in a war, babe. I don't know. I don't know why you're bringing this up all of a sudden. She's acting like she's never seen him before. You went to school together. So Tris asks him how everyone's doing. And he says, oh, Marlene's cracking jokes as usual. You know, that prankster Marlene, she's just cracking jokes left and right. And Lynn's grumbling because you know, Lynn, I still don't remember these characters. I cannot attach a name to characteristics at this point, not at all. And Tris pretty much says, I don't care about Marlene and Lynn. What's up with Eric? Is he dead? Because I guess she was in such a stabbing frenzy that she doesn't know if she actually killed him. And he says, nah. Some of the candor decided to give him medical treatment. Something about honorable treatment of prisoners, blah, blah, blah. So Kang's interrogating him in private right now. So they're really hell bent on honorable treatment of prisoners and yet they're subjecting them to a truth serum against their will. Just chemically altering their capacity to think for themselves, but they believe in the rights of prisoners of war? All right. And Uriah says, no one knows what the hell that was all about. Why would they come in here, fire us all with these things and then knock us all out? Why wouldn't they kill us? And she's like, no idea. You've been shot up with a serum, guys. Like, uh, 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 how is that not obvious? And Tris says, I guess the only thing I can think of is that it helps them ferret out who's divergent and who's not. But that can't be the only reason. And strap yourselves in for the next 12 pages. She's just going to be considering 
what their game plan was, even though it's obvious. And so Tris starts talking it out. She says, Janine doesn't want to kill everyone. She knows that would be illogical. And of course, Janine being erudite, she doesn't like when things are illogical. Without each faction, society doesn't function because each faction trains its members for particular jobs. What she wants is control. She must be planning another simulation. Same as before. But this time, she wants to make sure that everyone is either under the influence or dead. Like, okay, yeah. And then she's like, I don't get it. I just don't know what's going on. I'm like, didn't you just say it? She wants everyone under a simulation and she just shot everyone up with needles. And then she's picking up the needle and she says, I don't understand. Oh God, clearly. If it was like the other simulation inducing injections, it was just meant for one use. So why shoot these at us just to make us unconscious? It doesn't make any sense. See here, why is she saying that it's like the other simulation inducing injections? You didn't have a simulation. So clearly it's a different type of injection. So maybe it won't be just one use. Why would you ever make a single use injection anyway? Doesn't seem very economical. And Uriah's like, yeah, that's great. Love thinking out loud with you. But by the way, could you not tell anyone I'm divergent? Don't want Shauna to know because she's my friend and I don't want her to suddenly become afraid of me. And Tris is like, all right, I'll keep it to myself. And then she tells us that she spent all night removing needles from people's arms. So I guess the Dauntless did shoot everyone in the arm. No legs, no abdomens. It was all arm. And she says, after a few hours, I stop trying to be gentle. I just pull as hard as I can. What a bitch. What a bitch. I would not appreciate that. She says, Eric is in a stable condition of the hundreds of people in the Merciless Mart. Stop calling it the Merciless Mart. It doesn't have a ring to it. It still doesn't. She says only 80 don't have needles buried in their flesh. 70 of whom are dauntless. Okay, so that's 10 left over. I don't really need the number breakdown of who or who doesn't have a needle. I don't care. And then she says, all night I puzzle over needles and serums and simulations. Oh, she's puzzled. All right. She's puzzled. In the morning, there's no more needles to pull out. So she's, she's tired. She's going to have a nap. But before she can nap, she runs into Caleb. Remember him? I didn't realize Caleb was around, but I guess he's there. And then they have a full on conversation about what happened. And then she says, oh, by the way, when did you get here? And he says, about 10 minutes ago, I came with Marcus. And she says, Marcus is alive. And she's shocked by that. And then she says, well, I never actually did see him die, but I just assumed. (laughs) And Caleb says, yeah, he and Peter escaped and walked back to the city. Peter's alive. Caleb, you're telling us a lot of information. And she says she's not at all relieved to find out that Peter is still alive which is again, pretty heartless. He is the guy that stabbed that other guy in the eye, etc. but whatever. But apparently Peter has defected to Erudite. Caleb says, he is where you would expect him to be. And she says, Erudite, oh, that bastard. I don't know if I would have expected him to be at Erudite. He was one of the ones fleeing Dauntless headquarters at the end of last book because he didn't want to end up at Erudite, but uh, whatever. Apparently we all expected Peter to defect to Erudite. So then she runs across to Tobias and Tobias says, are you okay? And she says, I might throw up if I have to answer that one more time. I don't have a bullet in my head, do I? So I'm good. Like, holy fuck, he just asked if you were okay. Like, get off his jock. Why are you jumping down his throat? He helped you out. 
He hasn't done anything wrong. He's just showing care as a boyfriend. You okay? Ugh. I don't have a bullet in my head, do I? That is so infuriating. And he pulls her up on some facts. He says, well, your jaw is swollen. You just stabbed Eric. I'm not allowed to ask if you're okay. And so then she sighs and she's like, yeah, I'm fine. And she briefly considers telling him about Marcus. And she's like, maybe now's not the time. I don't know why. If it was my long lost dad who was still alive, I'd be interested. And I'd say, well, that's a coincidence because my long lost mum is also alive and was presumed dead. I think there's a bit of a trend with Tobias's parents of just not being able to be killed. So then one of the other Dauntless is like, oh, look at that, it's Tobias Eaton. I'm assuming they never knew his real name. So that's why they're like, ha ha, Tobias Eaton, we know your dirty little secret. And then another Dauntless says, I saw your daddy around here earlier, Eaton. And Tobias is like, what was that? And she's like, oh yeah, sorry, slipped my mind. Um, Four, uh, your dad's still alive. He came here with Caleb. He and Peter escaped Amity. And he says, well, what the fuck were you waiting to tell me for? And she says, it's not the kind of news you deliver in a cafeteria. Bitch, it is a war. You are in a war zone. I'm pretty sure you can say whatever you want in a cafeteria. I don't know why we're relying on decorum. This isn't Downton Abbey. You can say that your boyfriend's dad is still alive wherever you may happen to be having a chat. But for he just says, oh yeah, fair enough. You don't want to deliver that news in a cafeteria, understood. So then they catch the elevator up to the interrogation room. And I guess they're the only ones there, even though I thought Eric was being interrogated as we speak, or maybe that was the night before, who cares? So then they're just sitting in the empty interrogation room and Four's looking around and he's like, wait a minute, there used to be two chairs here. Now there's just one chair. And she's like, oh yeah, it, um, it got thrown from, from a window. And he says, well, that's odd. Yeah, she threw it out the window. How would she know it got thrown out the window unless she did it? Also, why is this their hangout place? It's at least an 18 story building. Huge, merciless mart. And they're hanging out of the interrogation room for some reason. Is there not a cafe? Oh yeah, they were just in one. They were in the cafeteria and they don't want to hang out there. So So then Tris says to him, are you all right? And he says, I don't have a bullet in my head, do I? (laughs) So he really threw that back in her face. And he says, I'd like to talk about something else. And she says, suits me. Didn't really care how you were. Uh, Let's talk about the simulations. And she says, your mother thought Janine would go after the factionless next, except obviously she was wrong. And I'm not sure why. It's not like the candor are battle ready or anything. And Tobias says, think about it. Think it through like an erudite. The only way to beat an erudite is to think like an erudite. And she's like, what? And he says, if you can't, the rest of us have no hope. Because remember, she is apt for erudite. (laughs) So she's the only one that can think through things. Tobias, even though he's also divergent, he mustn't be apt for erudite. So he cannot think logically. It's beyond him. So they're just brainstorming why erudite attacked them. Well, maybe Jack knows. He just did an interrogation of Eric. Maybe you don't need to be sitting here brainstorming. Just go and have a chat with Jack King. So they think they couldn't target the factionless because they're all spread out. Because Janine attacked the abnegation. The abnegation had documents about the factionless divergent population, apparently. 
which means that Janine must have found out about the proportion of diversion among the factionless is higher than among the candor, making them an illogical target. And she says, four, tell me everything you know about serums. Oh, Jesus fucking Christ. And he says, well, it has a few parts, says the transmitter and the liquid that induces the simulation. The transmitter communicates information to the brain from the computer and vice versa. And the liquid alters the brain to put it in a simulation state. Ah, what a crock of shit. And she says, and the transmitter only works for one simulation, right? What happens to it after that? And he says, it dissolves. As far as I know, the erudite haven't been able to develop a transmitter that lasts for more than one simulation. (laughs) Okay. All right. I know what we're driving at here. It's what I was saying 20 minutes ago. And she says, wait a minute. As far as I know, that's an interesting phrase. If Janine spent all of her adult life developing serums, and if she's still hunting down the Divergent, she's probably still obsessed with creating more advanced versions of the technology. Ah, for fuck. This is so silly. Yeah, of course. She didn't just stop at one serum. She, She wanted to advance the technology. Wow. So she takes off her bandage and she says, get a look at this. And you can still see the blue dye that's underneath her skin. And then she reaches into her pocket and takes out the needle that was buried in her arm. Pretty weird to be carrying around a disposable needle. And she says, they weren't trying to kill us. They were shooting us with these. Yeah, I know. I know. Enough. Enough of the repetition. Just figure it out or go talk to someone who's used truth serum and interrogated an erudite and can just tell you straight away. Enough. So Four takes the needle and he says, this is probably hollow. It must have contained whatever that blue stuff is in your arm. Oh, no fucking shit, Sherlock. Like, oh God, blimey. And he says, what happened after that? And she says, well, they threw in these gas spewing cylinders into the room and everyone went unconscious except for Uriah and me and the other divergent. So she's like, I just added Uriah. And Tobias doesn't seem surprised that she just said Uriah was divergent and she narrows her eyes and she says, did you know that Uriah was divergent? And so clearly she had no problems outing him. Uriah clearly said, please don't tell anyone, especially Shauna. Don't want Shauna to know because we all know, we all know crazy Shauna hates divergent, but here she is just outing him, la-da-dee, la-da-da. And Tobias isn't surprised. And he says, well, yeah, I knew. I ran his simulations too, you big dummy. And she says, and you never told me? And he says, it was privileged information, dangerous information. I'm not just gonna out Uriah. But she's angry. She says, I feel a flare of anger. How many things is he going to keep from me? (laughs) He also didn't tell you that he was divergent until an inciting incident at the end of the last book. Maybe it's not the thing you tell people. And she has to talk herself out of the anger. She's like, he was disrespecting Uriah's privacy. It makes sense. Unlike you, who just outed him. And then she tells him how they went upstairs and she tried to wake everybody up. She just recounts the whole story, even though we just read it last chapter. Like we, we know. She could have just had one line saying, I told Tobias what happened, but she actually goes through step-by-step with us about the elevator banks and the Eric and the taking to Divergent. It's like, oh God. And she's like crazy, right? And he says, well, my guess is that the needle injected you with a transmitter and the gas was an aerosol version of the liquid that alters the brain. Oh Jesus. And then he's thinking it through and then a crease appears and he says, oh, she put everyone asleep to find out who the Divergent were. 
Yeah, Tobias, welcome to the party. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? She just told you all of that. I don't think that was privileged information like Uriah. I think that was pretty obvious. And then Tobias, because he's clearly a bit of a dummy and he doesn't want to put himself out there. He does that thing where he's like, you've already figured it out, Tris, but you want me to contradict you and I'm not going to. So why don't you, why don't you say what you're thinking and uh, we'll, we'll see if we're on the same page. He's like, yeah, I totally know the answer. I know the answer, but I want to know what you think. It's like, for you're a dummy. You don't know what's going on. And so she says, fine. I think they've developed a long lasting transmitter. <gasps> yes. Of, uh, yes. So now we're all wired for multiple simulations. As many as Janine wants, maybe. And then she goes, this is really bad, Tobias. Because he just nods. He's like, yeah, that's what I was thinking too. So she's finally figured it out. What did I tell you? 12 pages of deliberation. So then they go outside of the interrogation room and he says, oh, by the way, when you attacked Eric, were you by the elevators? And she's like, yeah, I was by the elevators. Who gives a shit? Who gives a shit? And he says, well, why when you were downstairs, didn't you just run away? Why did you go back upstairs and hang out near the elevators? And he says, and I'm betting you did it without a gun. And she's like, I would have been fine. And he says, no, you haven't been able to touch a gun since the attack. I understand with the whole will thing. And she says, that has nothing to do with it. Mm, uh, I think it does. He says, you should be done now, Tris. You should have stayed with the Emity. You should have stayed far away from all of this. For she got kicked out of Emity for fighting. Do you forget that? There's no possibility where she could have just hung out at the Amity farm. They didn't want her there, dude. So now she's pissed. She's like, you don't know what's best for me. I was going crazy with the Amity. I couldn't just stay there. No, because you were kicked out. And he's like, well, you're acting like a suicidal psychopath. And she's like, I'm just trying to do something useful. I liked it better when they were just fucking. (laughs) Like, I don't like all this fighting. He says, you're more than dauntless, but if you want to be just like them, hurling yourself into ridiculous situations for no reason and retaliating, blah, 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 go ahead. And she's like, don't you insult the dauntless. They took you in when you had nowhere else to go. Yet because he transferred, like that's the system. They weren't performing charity. He he picked them and he went with them as you did. So then they're still fighting. I don't care. And then eventually they make up. He just says, I don't want to lose you. And then uh, they stand around not talking for a few minutes. And then that's that. Thrilling. And then we cut to Lynn is talking to Caleb. Who's Lynn? I don't know. And Caleb had gotten her food at the cafeteria, gotten her a sandwich. And I guess he just had to sit there waiting while Tris had this huge fight and a trip up to the interrogation room. Like... How long was Caleb just sitting there minding a table with a sandwich waiting for her to come back? Ridiculous. And so she says to Caleb, when do you have to get back? And she's kind of wanting him to leave because she says, what will he think of my friends, my faction? What will my faction think of him? Who gives a shit? You're in war. He's a refugee. So then she teases him about hooking up with Susan. God, this chapter has just been the bane of my existence. And Lynn, nosy Lynn, she's like, who's Susan? <laughs> she another erudite defector? Yeah, by the way, whatever happened to Will's older sister, Kara, who was teased at the start of this chapter and then promptly forgotten about? We just dropped that storyline. 
So then Tris is explaining to Lynn, nosy Lynn, who Susan is. And Lynn's just 20 questions here. She says, are you involved with Susan Caleb? Like, oh my goodness, Lynn, mind your own business. And then, oh, okay, I spoke too soon. Kara walks in. Finally, Kara walks in and Tris puts down her sandwich, her appetite gone. And I'm thinking, well, she's obviously going to go up and talk to Kara and be like, sorry, I killed your brother, right? Like clearly, right? No, she doesn't. Kara just walks in, sits down with a few of the erudite refugees at a table. And then that's that. She just stares at her from across the room. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Really welcoming. So then Uriah comes over and he says, oh, I overheard someone talking about Eric's interrogation in the lunch line. And he says, apparently he knew almost nothing about Janine's plan. I'm calling bullshit. I'm kind of suspecting that Eric is divergent and he was trying to force his way around the serum just like Tris did. That's my suspicion. But Caleb, he chimes and he says, yeah, that sounds about right. It would be stupid to confide your entire plan to one person. It's utterly illogical. And the erudite are nothing but logical. And then Marlene and Lynn, Marlene, where, Marlene and Lynn are just having a good old conversation about ice cream and the different factions having different desserts. And we have to read about it. What the fuck? And then Caleb chimes in and he says, we had good cake. And also we had fizzy drinks. Blah, 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 blah. I don't care. I do not care. Why did they change the subject from what Eric knew about Janine's plan, this important plot point, and here we are talking about ice cream and cookies. And then they start talking about the nightmare simulation final challenge or something or other. And Caleb's like, how does that work? 
Are the nightmares produced by your computer or by your brain? And Lynn's like, oh God, here we go. And I'm the same. I don't, I don't want to cover that again. And so then Tris, despite the clatter all around her, she rests her head on the table and falls asleep. Now, if it were me, I would have been feeling guilty because the guy I killed sister is sitting across the room, but Tris has never felt more at ease. She's just plopped her head down and she has a nap and that's the end of the chapter. Ugh. So we go to chapter 18 and Jack Kang is addressing the crowd. And guess where they are? I think they're up at that interrogation room. The only room that's ever used in this 18 story building. And remember, there's no windows. Why they would choose to always meet in a place without windows, I'm not sure. Because there's a lightning and thunderstorm happening currently. She's looking out the window. Well, looking out the window frame where there is no window. And she sees lightning. Why, why would you not move it downstairs? There's a perfectly good lobby that you could be using. You could have just done this in the cafeteria, Jack Kang. I don't know why you need the dramatic room without the windows. <sighs> and so Jack says, yeah, I guess we've had a weird couple of days, haven't we guys? Well, it seems like we need to investigate the Divergent a bit more. If you're one of the Divergent, please step forward so that we can hear from you. Like, all right, nice try. <laughs> I'm pretty sure most of the Divergent are not going to be stepping forward, right? Seems like an obvious trap. And Tris tells us that he looks tired because he's got dark circles under his eyes. And despite the stifling heat of the room, it, th- there's a lightning storm and, and it's a hot room. How can it be a hot room when you're 18 stories up and there's no windows? <sighs> Never mind. Despite the stifling heat of the room, he wears a long sleeved shirt that buttons at the wrists. And she thinks he must have been distracted when he dressed this morning. No, maybe he's just dressing for a sense of occasion. It's okay to wear a long sleeve shirt, Tris, even when it's hot. Also, maybe he knew he was going into a room with no windows. So Tobias, he's the ballsiest one. So he steps forward and he's like, yeah, I'm divergent. Hi, everyone. So then Tris is like, well, I may as well join him. So then she steps forward. A few others step forward. Some Candace step forward, but not many. One of them is the girl that she helped. And guess who else stepped forward? Marcus. So Marcus is divergent. Everyone's divergent. Have we had a significant character yet who isn't divergent? I bet Janine's divergent too. I bet the whole bloody lot of them are divergent. I'm surprised Marlene isn't divergent. So Marcus, he's like, yes, me, little old me, I am divergent too. So Jack says, it seems clear to me that we were attacked so that the erudite could find the divergent. Do you know why that is? So at least Jack's on the ball. Although he did just shoot Eric up with truth serum. So it's not exactly a hunch. (laughs) He's presenting it like it's a hunch, but I'm pretty sure Eric just told you. But then Tris, she says, that was not their intention. (laughs) All eyes on me in the center of the ring. Here's Tris speaking out. She says, they wanted to kill us. They've been killing us since before any of this happened. And everyone's like, oh, geez. She says, the room darkens as if under the gloom of what I just said. No, probably because there's no lightning happening at the moment. And Jack says, that sounds like a conspiracy theory. What reason would the erudite have to kill you? I don't know. Did you not ask Eric? Did you not ask him? I think Eric is divergent and didn't answer you correctly because there's no way, Jack, that you'd be so silly right now. And Tris doesn't know what to say. She's like, well, I I guess it could be a conspiracy theory. But Tobias cuts her off and he says, Obviously we don't know, 
but there are nearly a dozen mysterious deaths recorded among the Dauntless from the past six years, and there's a correlation between those people and irregular aptitude test results or initiation simulation results. Okay, initiation simulation. That, are they trying to give me a lisp? I'm really struggling with all of this mumbo jumbo in one sentence. And Jack's like, mm, yeah, that sounds interesting, but there's no real evidence. And Triss is like, a dauntless leader shot a canned child in the head. Did you get a report of that? Does that seem worthy of investigation? She's really laying into the sarcasm, isn't she? I mean, it's probably not the best way to get your point across to a candor. Maybe keep the sarcasm for the dauntless. Because he just shoots back. Well, yes, actually, I, I did find it worthy of investigation and I did get a report. <laughs> So he's like, yeah, obviously, Triss. Obviously, I'm doing my job here. That's why I'm getting dressed in the morning with long sleeve shirts when it's hot. Obviously, I'm distracted by this report of a dead kid, Triss. But he says, we must keep in mind that the Dauntless soldiers did not give any evidence of wanting to harm the majority of us, or they would have killed us all while we're unconscious. Their peaceful invasion suggests to me that it may be possible to negotiate a peace treaty with the Erudite and the other Dauntless. So he's going to arrange a meeting with Janine to discuss that possibility as soon as possible. And I think peaceful invasion, you just admitted that they killed a kid, shot a kid in the head. So I don't know if you'd call it a peaceful invasion. And Triss calls it out. She says, just because they didn't shoot everyone in the head doesn't mean that their intentions are honorable. But she's still laying into the sarcasm a bit too much. And she says, why do you think they came? Just to run through your hallways, knock you unconscious and leave? Dial it back, Triss, dial it back. And Jack just says, well, I assume they came here for people like you, Doris. And he says, and while I am concerned for your safety, I don't think we can attack them just because they wanted to kill a fraction of our population. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, I, I'm not really getting you there, Jack. Oh, they only wanted to kill a fraction of the population. But let them. And Triss says, Killing you isn't the worst thing they can do to you. Controlling you is. And I'm thinking, Tris, that's not the best argument for someone who clearly loves truth serum. Clearly not the best argument. And Jack's lips curl with amusement. And she's like, amusement, what a little cunt. And Jack says, oh, and how will they manage that? Just being all smug, being like, how are they going to control us? And Tobias says, they shot you with needles. (laughs) Needles full of simulation transmitters. Simulations control you, dickhead. And Jack's like, simulation, simulation. That's not how the transmitters work. And he says, I can't launch an attack based on a little girl's speculation. And she's pissed. She's like, don't call me little girl. And then Tobias is like, well, you don't make decisions for us. And all the Dauntless are like, yeah, you don't make decisions for us, Jack. And Jack's like, okay, then leave. Feel free to storm the Erudite. I don't give a shit. Do what you gotta do, guys. Get the fuck out of my house. But Tris is thinking, ah, well, we could, but... We can't really do anything without Candace numbers. It would be a bloodbath. And she says, sadly, Jack has all the power and we all now know it. And so Jack's like, all right, well, I'm going to go negotiate a piece with Janine. See you all later. And she thinks we can't attack without Kanda unless we have the factionless. And that's the end of the chapter. Ooh, she's going to team up with the factionless. I say, great, go for it. Kanda are assholes. They're not being very helpful. Get the hell out of there. So chapter 19 starts with her telling us that she's joined a group of Kanda and Dauntless cleaning up the broken windows in the lobby. Oh, so many broken windows in this merciless mutt. 
And then it seems like she's just sweeping up some glass and she might be passing out or something because she says her body goes weak and she's leaning on the broom handle for support. And then a candy girl, she touches her and she's like, are you all right? And she says, I'm fine. (laughs) She says, I'm fine, I say, too sharply. Like, leave this little girl alone who just asked if you're okay. Trista's not like to be asked if she's okay. That is a trigger for her, clearly, because she does not respond well when someone asks how she is. And then she says to this little girl, she says, all right, all right, I'll be nice. She says, I'm just tired, thank you. And then the little girl says, I think you're lying. Well, I think you should mind your own business, little girl. Ah, these candor. Such assholes telling the truth all the time. So then she's looking outside, I I presume through the broken window, and she sees a dauntless man, a dauntless trader man, propping up a woman with a bleeding leg, and the woman has grey hair. (laughs) And the man has a hooked nose and a blue armband of the dauntless trader. And then she says, I recognise them both. And I'm like, okay, well, tell us, because from that description, I'm not picking up on it. Who's got grey hair? I don't know. Oh, she's got a bleeding leg. I should know who that is. But she tells us it's Tori and Zeke. Remember, Zeke is Uriah's brother who apparently defected to go with the Dauntless. And Tori's the person who moonlights as an aptitude test instructor, but her day job is doing tattoos at Dauntless. She's got a great little resume out, Tori. So Zeke's doing the whole sanctuary, sanctuary thing. He says she needs medical attention right now. And then some other Dauntless guy's like, why should we give a trader medical attention? And Tris, she's like, how dare he? So she gets involved and she says, put your gun down, little dauntless guy. And the dauntless guy's like, oh no, these divergents, they're so crazy. And so then finally a few other dauntless people come forward and they're like, okay, we'll take it to go see nurse. So then she starts rounding on Zeke and she's like, what's going on? And he says, the trader dauntless found out that we were collecting information from them. Tori tried to get away, but they shot her as she was running. I helped her get here. And one of the dauntless, he's like, yeah, nice story. Want to tell it again under truth serum? And Zeke's like, yeah, okay, sure, whatever. But then Uriah, he comes running over and he's grinning and he's like, heard a rumor you were a dirty trader. And Zeke's like, yeah, whatever. And then they're hugging. So I guess Zeke was undercover that whole time. That whole time meaning for the past five days. So then we cut to, they're all reminiscing. And Lynn, classic Lynn, she's like, can't believe you didn't tell us, Zeke. And Zeke's like, don't get all huffy about it, Lynn. I wasn't even supposed to tell Shauna. Like, okay, well, I don't remember these relationships. None of these people were in her group, right? These are, these are the dauntless born or something because I do not remember these people. Tris tells us that they're sitting in a room in Canada headquarters called The Gathering Place. It is large and open with black and white cloth draped on every wall and a circle of podiums in the center of the room. So not the interrogation space. They do have a second space. That's great to hear. So she tells us Zeke was cleared by Candor an hour ago after the short interrogation on the 18th floor. So Zeke's fine, everyone's cool with Zeke. So they go to the gathering place for a, hey, you're not a dirty trader celebration, as Uriah put it. And Lynn's like, sorry, we've been making fun of you ever since the simulation attack. We've been insulting you, slandering your name through the streets, and now I feel like a jerk about it. And Zeke, putting his arm around Shauna, I guess they're dating. He's like, you are a jerk, Lynn. And Lynn's like, ah, stop. And she throws a plastic cup at him and then water goes everywhere. And then Zeke's like, anyway, as I was saying, and he just tells us this story about how he was working on getting the erudite defectors out safely, but Tori kept sneaking out at random times. 
and she almost gave them away. And Lynn, cranky Lynn, she says, well, how'd you get the job? You're not that special. And he says, well, it's more the fact that I woke up after the simulation attack and I was in the right place at the right time. Don't know about Tori though. And because Triss loves to out people, she pipes up and she says, Tori transferred from Erudite, you know, just FYI. And everyone's like, okay. And so it's also then revealed that they're waiting for Tobias to come back because he's been eavesdropping to figure out what's happening with that peacekeeping meeting with Janine or some bullshit. And then across the room, she sees Christina sitting with her sister. And guess what? Kara walks over. Remember Kara, Will's sister that was introduced and then promptly ignored and then reintroduced and promptly ignored again. Well, now she's back. She's walking over to Christina's table and Tris is stuck in her head. She's doing a dramatic sitcom acting, ducking of the head. And Uriah's like, what? What are you hiding from? And she's like, shut up, Uriah. You're being so obvious. She says, Will's sister is right there. And Zeke's like, oh yeah, I know her. She saw an abnegation woman get killed while she was on a mission for Janine and couldn't stomach it anymore. Well, everyone is just really free with all the information, aren't they, these days? Everyone knows about everyone's backstory. Shame I can't remember their backstories, but I will. And Lynn, cranky boots Lynn. She's like, are we sure she's not an erudite spy? I hate Lynn. No one has a more negative attitude than Lynn. And Marlene, (laughs) Marlene, she's like, Lynn, she saved half our faction from this stuff. And she points to the bandage. And she says, well, half of our half of our faction. And Lynn, cranky boots Lynn, she says, that's called a quarter, ma. God, I don't care about these characters and their banter. I don't care. And then she sees Kara and Christina get up and walk out of the room. And so she's like, oh, I got to go to the bathroom. And so she then like sneaks up on Kara and Christina. She says, I'm in a dim hallway that smells like garbage. And then she tells us, this must be where the candid trash chute is. Like, okay, thanks. Great world building. And then she hears two voices from around the corner. And one of them says, I just can't handle her being here. And she's like, oh my God, that's Christina. And then Christina says, I can't stop picturing it. What she did, I don't understand how she could have done that. And then Kara, she says, well, I do. And Christina's like, what? And Kara says, you have to understand. We're trained to see things as logically as possible. Oh my God, as logically as possible. The erudite love saying that they like logic and they think logically. Kara says, don't think I'm callous, but that girl was probably scared out of her mind. Certainly not capable of assessing situations cleverly at this time, if she was ever able to do so. So Kara's defending Triss. Triss is getting away with shooting Will in the head. She just is not going to face any responsibility for this. Jack was all proud of her being like, guess what, you're dauntless. And now even Kara, Will's sister is like, yeah, probably do the same. Very logical, Triss. But Triss doesn't really pick up on that. She focuses on the fact that she said, not capable of assessing situations cleverly at the time, if she were ever able to do so. Triss focuses on that part of it. And so she gets all offended. She's like, what a, and I run through a short list of insults in my mind. She's like full on insulting the sister of the guy she killed, who was just defending her in a bitchy way. Pick your battles, Triss, pick your battles. This is a win. And Kara, she's still on this huge apology tour on behalf of Triss. And she says, the simulation made her incapable of reasoning with him. So when he threatened her life, she reacted as she had been trained by the Dauntless 
to react, shoot to kill. And Christina's like, uh, so we should just forget about it because it makes sense. And then Kara's like, oh, I guess not. It's just that you have to be around her and I want to make it easier for you. You don't have to forgive her. Actually, I'm not sure why you were friends with her in the first place. She always seemed a bit erratic to me. And Triss is like, that bitch. (laughs) And then Kara says, anyway, you don't have to forgive her. You just need to look at her without wanting to punch her in her exceptionally long nose. So Kara is being a bit body shamey. She's being a bit of a bitch to Triss, but she is letting Triss off the hook. But Triss is like, oh my God, is my nose really that big? And she says, even though Kara was rude and the nose comment was a low blow, I'm grateful for what she said. Yeah, you killed her brother. She can make fun of your nose. I don't think it's a low blow. Shooting Will in the head was a low blow. So then she's back at the table with Marlene and Lynn and the gang. And then Tobias comes out and he says, Kang is going to meet with a representative of Janine at seven in the morning. God, that's an early meeting. Not interested in that. And Zeke's like, oh, just a representative, hey, what a coward. And Uriah's like, yeah, as if she'd stand out in the open where a bunch of angry people with guns can take aim. And Tobias also says that a dauntless escort is going to be attending as well, just to try and overhear the meeting. And Triss is looking at Tobias frowning. She says, how does he know all this information? And why after two years of avoiding becoming a dauntless leader at all costs, is he suddenly acting like one? Let your boyfriend live. He's trying to find out information to stop a war. He's focusing on survival and you're like attacking him for his career prospects. Like get, get out of it, Tris. So then they're all like, well, maybe we should think logically about what Janine's going to say. And then they all look at Tris and they say, if you were erudite, what would you do? And she's like, why are you looking at me? And they're like, you're divergent, bitch. You clearly have an aptitude for erudite and therefore you are the only one of us in this whole room who can think logically. And she's like, all right, you got me there. No, she doesn't. She says, you all have functional brains last time I checked. You can think like the erudite too. Yeah, exactly. But Marlene, she's like, we don't have special divergent brains. Oh, this is so dumb. Oh, this is so, 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 so dumb. And Shauna, she's not about it. She's like, I don't want to be consulting a divergent brain. This is just so dumb. And Zeke, he's like, Shauna. And she says, don't Shauna me. Don't you think someone with the aptitude for multiple factions might have a loyalty problem? (laughs) If she's got an aptitude for erudite, how can we be sure she's not working for erudite? (sighs) I'm over this book. I'm over it. And the way they talk, the way they talk, like this is all normal. And she's like having a full on hissy fit. She's smacking the table and she says, I know I belong in Dauntless because the aptitude test told me. I'm loyal to my faction for that reason. I have no idea who you're loyal to. And so she gets out, she storms off. Yeah, good riddance, Shauna. I'm not interested in you, Shauna. And Trish, she's left there to defend herself. And she says, well, actually, it's just asking yourself what the most logical response is to a particular situation. It's not magic or anything. And they're all like, what? What? Like they've never had to think logically in Dauntless. Never. Never had to think logically. What? She says, I'm greeted with blank stares. And so she's thinking it through. She's like, oh, who would they send? What do they want from Jack Kang? And then she says, I think that Janine will manipulate him. Like, oh, okay. Great brainwave. And that he will do anything to protect his faction, even if it means sacrificing the divergent. 
And then she thinks, oh, sacrificing the dauntless. So we need to hear what they say in that meeting. And they're all like, oh my God, what brilliance, what logical deduction. And she says, so let's listen in. And that's the end of the chapter. Like I, I'm pretty sure they were always wanting to listen in, correct? No, she only came to that conclusion because she thought logically. And now they're gonna listen in. What an impactful ending of that chapter. Oh, this stupid fucking book. I need a week off. I need a week off. So I'll see you guys next week. Hit me up on the Patreon if you have any questions, comments, concerns. I think we're almost halfway through. So if you also have any other book that you would want covered next, I'm open to book suggestions. I don't know why, but I'm feeling Maze Runner. I'm feeling Maze Runner. If you've read Maze Runner, let me know. Okay, see you. Bye. Send your burning thoughts, frustrations, and grievances on this latest chapter of this shitty book to breakingdownpod at gmail.com or on Twitter at podbreakingdown and Instagram at breakingdownbadbooks. You can visit www.breakingdownbadbooks.com for all the listen links, contact information, merch, and more. To support the show on Patreon and gain access to exclusive ad-free bonus episodes, visit patreon.com slash breakingdownbadbooks. Ratings and reviews on your preferred podcast platform are also a fun, free way to support the show. Breaking Down Bad Books is hosted by me, Nathan Brown, who you can follow on Instagram and Twitter at NathanBrown90. Thanks for listening and happy reading. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.